0: You are listening to FM, a podcast about language and what people do with it.
1: I wanted to investigate the professional identity of interpreters. Whether they see themselves as fully-fledged professionals. Whether they believe that uh, their work is appreciated by society.
0: Meet Paola Gentile, an interpreter and researcher in interpreting studies.
1: I come from a small town uh, in the south of Italy, which is called Barletta, it's located in Puglia.
0: Fun fact, Paola is already the third Italian guest on the Langefam podcast. I first learned about her work in an article published in The Linguist, the magazine of the Chartered Institute of Linguists in the UK. Our conversation took place last summer, just a few days after the Critical Link Conference in Edinburgh, which we both attended, but without bumping into each other.
1: I saw your Twitter. I thought, oh, he's here, so maybe we can talk. But, you know, there were so many people at the conference. I mean, it was it was huge.
0: We are going to take a closer look at Paola's research in a minute. But first of all, I wanted to know her background story.
1: Well, that's a complicated story. To make a long story short, I have been interested in languages since I was at a high school. I attended a school uh, which is specialised in classical studies. I'm glad I chose that kind of school because it kind of opens your mind. It teaches you how to develop your, your thinking and to be critical. I studied Latin and ancient Greek. I developed a sense for uh, languages and I also uh, learned to translate.
0: However when Paula had to pick subjects at university she picked modern languages because with ancient Greek and Latin
1: I wouldn't uh, have been able to find a job. I started uh, to study English and Spanish from scratch when I uh, enrolled in my BA in Bari. came to Trieste in 2009 to uh, attend the MA in Confluence Interpreting here at the uh, University for Interpreters and Translators.
0: And just because Ancient Greek, Latin, Italian, Spanish and English were not enough,
1: I added Dutch.
0: We'll find out at the end of the podcast why that was a good idea.
1: That's my story.
0: Wait, not so fast.
1: I studied piano. So it was impossible for me to uh, go on Erasmus. For me, at that time, studying piano was more important. Surviving six or more months without practicing absolutely impossible I've been playing since I was 10 I graduated in piano participated in competitions at local level I was not that very famous pianist but I liked uh, to play and I enjoyed myself I didn't want to uh, give up on my piano
0: diploma in the end.
1: I liked languages more. I enjoyed uh, interpreting more and I wanted to be a PhD I was writing my MA thesis, I realised that uh, I liked uh, to, to write and like to, to read and um, to, to carry out uh, research in general. I thought to apply for a, a PhD programme.
0: Now, I don't have a PhD and will probably never have one. But I do have a lot of respect and admiration for people who devote several years of their lives to research. I also think PhD jokes and PhD comics are hilarious. I will link a few good ones in the show notes.
1: It was very hard and there was, there were some times in which I was stuck. I didn't know how to go on and I had to, to study statistics almost all by myself. I was overwhelmed with papers and books over interpreting and uh, but fortunately, my supervisor Maurizio Vietti uh, gave me the opportunity to be free, and he uh, gave me absolute freedom. He had he was very confident in this project, and uh, he has always supported me, uh, also in times of despair when I was completely.
0: <laughs> the good news is. When we recorded our conversation, Paola already had successfully finished her PhD.
1: So, I'm done with it.
0: (laughs) Which now brings us to the question, what was the PhD about?
1: The uh, self-perception of professional status uh, for conference and public service interpreters.
0: The question of self-perception is an extremely interesting one. I learned from Paola that interpreters perceive their role and their status differently.
1: Status is what a person is, and role is what a person does.
0: Thanks to researchers like Claudia Angelelli and others, we already know quite a bit about the concept of role. However,
1: there was a huge knowledge gap in this field, which I wanted to fill.
0: Okay, fair enough. But why?
1: If I don't know who I am and what's my professional identity and what I uh, expect from uh, from my clients, how am I supposed to enact the role which is prescribed by codes of ethics? I wanted to investigate the professional identity of interpreters and see whether they see themselves as fully-fledged professionals like other professionals with the same level of education and whether they believe that uh, their work is appreciated by society.
0: So we know about the what and the why. How did POLA gather all that information?
1: What I did was to uh, design two questionnaires. The first was addressed to conference interpreters worldwide and the second was addressed to public service interpreters worldwide.
0: The questionnaires went out to both groups of interpreters and their respective professional associations around the globe, and the response was remarkable.
1: I went to check just how many responses I got after a few days, and then <laughs> I said,
0: mean,
1: I what? I couldn't believe it. After two weeks... I get like 300 responses. But it means that this is a topic people are interested in and it's a topic uh, the professionals really care about. That's the only explanation I could give. Well, the questionnaire was divided into ten sections Uh, The first uh, concerns like personal information concerning sex, age, country of residence, years of working experience, if they were members of professional associations, uh, if they worked as freelance or staff interpreters, and if interpreting is a full-time profession. Um, Questions on education, on their level of education, on the uh, subjects they deem more appropriate for a university curriculum
0: by now you're probably getting impatient and you want to know what paola actually found out well here you go
1: more than 70 percent of respondents in the two questionnaires were women apparently men and women have different ways of perceiving the profession women are far more pessimistic than men tend to underestimate themselves they are as educated as men, or even better educated than men. But uh, they tend to believe that uh, society does not appreciate their work. And there were um, very interesting results I would like to analyse uh, more in detail in the future.
0: Interestingly, the study also uncovered some differences between conference and public service interpreters
1: conference interpreters were on average older than public service interpreters. Some conference interpreters also worked as public service interpreters in the sense that they have background in conference interpreting but uh, they also studied or are currently studying to get a diploma in public service interpreting, which I found absolutely Uh, interesting, because it means that the dividing line between the two professions is becoming increasingly blurred.
0: That's good news, if you ask me. I'm just wondering what the two professional groups think of each other.
1: I got interesting uh, replies. Uh, Of course, conference interpreters believe uh, that uh, public service interpreting is less remunerated, which is the truth. I mean, it's, it's the reality we are facing. Several respondents also uh, said that uh, they practice public service interpreting because they realize that uh, uh, professionals are needed in this field and it, it is better to have a, an interpreter who is a conference interpreter perform, yeah, serving as a public service interpreter once in a while rather than totally untrained ad hoc interpreters or non-interpreters who uh, serve as interpreters, like family members or friends. Some of them um, say that uh, they, um, they work in public services because they find it more challenging because they find it more interesting, because they see that it is an ethical duty. A few of them replied in the open box for comments that uh, they feel more useful when they can help people, when they uh, they see the real impact that the interpreting activity has on the lives of people. I think that conference interpreters have opened their eyes and have realised that... there there is another world uh, outside the booth
0: Another world outside the booth I like that but in order to get into the booth in the first place training is required or is it?
1: Conference interpreters have always regarded themselves as um, having more talents even though They were not trained, especially the old generation. Ouch. Think of medicine, there are good doctors, there are bad doctors, but nobody discusses the fact that uh, doctors are not supposed to be trained. Younger generations absolutely believe that education is essential. 80% of them have a master's degree, Uh, another 10% has a PhD. We cannot discuss whether interpreting requires a specific training. Of course, it does.
0: I'm glad that's settled then. What about the external perception of our profession? By the media, for example.
1: The profession is utterly ignored by the media, and when it's represented, it isn't represented in a bad light. That's what all interpreters, regardless of the settings in which they work, said. Like Ebru Diriker. Said the yeah, interpreters uh, appear in the news when it comes to big money, big events, and big mistakes. I've always been fascinated by the way in which journalism contributes to to creating images. The public perception of nurses has uh, been enhanced by uh, TV series. Think of uh, CSI. Think of Grey's Anatomy. Think of
0: House MD. Maybe. That was always my favourite.
1: Positive media image uh, can help uh, professionals to uh, raise awareness of what they do.
0: One very recent example of this is the Chinese TV show Les Interpretes. I'm not going to attempt to pronounce the Chinese original title, but here's a little excerpt. Einstein and 11 other and enseignants have obtained the Nobel Prize. The university of Zurich University is the largest university in Switzerland.
1: Uh,
0: Lastly, Paola and I took a look at what the two groups think about the future of our profession. What are the threats and challenges awaiting us?
1: As far as this section is concerned, there were huge differences between the two groups. Uh, Conference interpreters uh, believe that that status has declined over the years. They are more pessimistic uh, towards the future compared to uh, public service interpreters.
0: Spoiler alert, the big threats for conference interpreters are English as a lingua franca and technology. I assume we've all been in situations like this one.
1: I remember that uh, one interpreter said in one comment... uh, People are absolutely amazed when I tell them that I work as a conference interpreter. They always tell me, oh my God, that's amazing. I don't understand how anybody can do that. But when I tell them that I work with a combination like English-Finnish, they look at me and say, well, what's the big deal with that? Everybody can speak English.
0: (sighs) Okay, let's talk about technology instead.
1: Both groups feel that technology will replace interpreters altogether or it will considerably worsen uh, interpreters' working conditions, uh, especially for highly sensitive settings. And I'm talking about public service interpreters here uh, in, in the healthcare or in court settings. They are uh, worried that um, the, the physical absence of an interpreter can make things worse and it will uh, make the, uh, the, the interpreter's task more stressful and more cumbersome.
0: But there's another thing that public service interpreters in particular are afraid of. Language policy in their countries. Great Britain is one of the worst offenders here. The Ministry of Justice outsourced language services for police and the courts a few years ago, and it has been an unmitigated disaster. But that's a topic for another episode of LangFM. FM. If you are feeling a little gloomy right now, listen to this.
1: Public service interpreters are still willing to fight for the improvement of their working conditions. Those who are more pessimistic have an average range of 45 to 60 we have to be more flexible we have to adapt to these changes we have to harness technology to our, in our favour and these are the uh, positive uh, comments that come from those who are my generation basically
0: I don't know which generation you belong to but I do hope you found this conversation just as interesting as I did my last question to Paula, what's next for you?
1: I hope to, to keep doing what I've always loved to do, which is t- trying to, to give my contribution to the improvement of, of the profession. I was accepted for a postdoc in Antwerp, at the University of Antwerp. So I hope to catch up with that.
0: <laughs> what Paola wants to catch up on, you ask? Well the life of an exchange student of course we talked about that at the top of the show thanks again to paula gentile for taking the time to talk to me if you're curious now and you would like more information about her research you will find links to her profiles on academia and ResearchGate. all of that as usual on www.langfm.audio dear listener thank you for tuning in if you enjoy the podcast, Why not leave a review on iTunes or share this episode with a friend who might like it? I'd really appreciate that. Talk to you soon on Langefemme.